Hi, everybody. Today's guest on the podcast is Morgan Latimer. He is a coach and an endurance athlete and a pretty all-around amazing person. We had a great conversation about motivation, about community, about giving, and what defines impossible. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Morgan Latimer. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I hope you all are doing awesome. I know I am. I have Morgan Lattimore here. Hi, Morgan. How you doing today? Oh, my goodness. I think I'm better than you might be. <laughs> so <laughs> no, what's going on? It, it might not, the hurricane might not even come this far. So it, you never know, but you oh know gosh. you have to, just like anything else in life, you want to be proactive instead of reactive, especially with That's something like right. this. So I grew up in Savannah. And, um, oh so yeah, you know about this. Still, yeah, I do. I do. And I, my parents are still there and my dad is very much of the, you know, stay there and defend your homestead mindset, mm. which gives me a panic, but you know, everyone's got yeah. their own family that <laughs> stays on the hill, right? Yeah. As soon as they, yeah, as soon as they say evacuate, I'm going, I might be the first one out to the oh, city. Like, that's right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, we're kind of in the same wide circle now of endurance sports and the endurance Correct. community, but kind of ha- what, what's your background and, and how did you come to, to be Morgan that you are today? Oh my goodness. That's a long background. It uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I basically was born in uh, St. Louis, grew up a little bit in East St. Louis, uh, high crime area, you know, low poverty, things of that nature, uh, mostly African-American community. And so mother couldn't was struggling to, you know, make ends meet. And we moved to Kansas City, Missouri. Um, that's where I basically spent the rest of my life uh, until my I joined the Marine Corps in uh, 1998. Yeah, well, I joined the kind of um, get away from the inner city because Kansas City was a little bit uh, upgrade from East St. Louis, but still not much because I was running the streets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had to go to night school. I got expelled. I mean, all kinds of things that I was doing, spend time in juvenile hall. And I was like, I needed, I don't want to go down this, this path. Uh, it was uh, my ninth grade year. I spent all ninth grade year in juvenile hall. And so couple years went by and I got to the point where okay now I was kind of more focused and I went to see my my counselor and she was like um you're not going to graduate I was like what and I you know I've been but I had really almost kind of blocked out that first year um and I had really but I missed all those credits so I had to like work and pay my way through night school and I just kept seeing people like, like go off um to college and just come back and be like, oh, it wasn't for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go down the road that everybody else said it is the dead end. So um, I decided to join the military. Um, my my family didn't want me to go. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, there's no, this not that was not a place for a black man and things like that. But I was like, you know, I'm going and um, I'm going to get away from here. I'm going to get the heck out of Kansas City and make something of myself. Was and there so, anyone in particular <clears throat> that influenced you? Move uh nobody no okay. nobody wanted me to go like literally my yeah. mom was, my mom was lower income and she was like i will find a way to pay for your college yeah. and i was just like 
I just don't want to do that. My grandma was she old school. She the one that said like it ain't it ain't a place for a black man. Yeah. And my and my dad didn't want me to go because he know he, he knew that I was what he called it gun hole. He's like I don't want you out there and you know jump in front of bullets and you know so everybody had their negative right. way of uh, picturing the service in which. It has all those elements, <laughs> you know. As I, <laughs> as I learned over twenty uh, over twenty years of service so far, and but I went and did it, and I did. Uh, I experienced racism when I probably the first year I was in. Uh, young people, it wasn't nothing. The people that had been around for a while, he was quickly exited. Um, you know, I am gun ho. I was. I like to be up the front. I like to lead people, right? And then I was. Then I was really arrogant. Then, as I look back on myself, I was arrogant. Um, misplaced talent everybody always said i had ability to move people but i i took it as uh like what you call it a villain's power instead of a superhero's power mm. and i use it the wrong way and it, it got me in trouble a couple times um but i've always had the with well, the gift to gab and um being able to actually control large numbers of people and, and influence people but uh the gift of gab came really came from as I joined, right? I come from that inner city type thing, and I didn't really spend a lot of time in school. And I got up in front of people um, when I joined the Marine Corps, and I had to read something out loud. Mm. And I, I think that was my, as I look back, that was the, one of the most embarrassing uh, moments of my life because I, people had to help me through words that were um, very almost elementary, you know, to a certain extent, and they had to help me all the way through it. And then I just, I never wanted to get up there and read anything off. So I had a phobia of like reading things and speaking in front of people for a long time. And yeah. I was just like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to talk. And I'm a terrible writer, you know. I, you know, I'm a paralegal by trade, which makes it even more crazy. Uh, <laughs> But, well, I'm a lawyer by trade, not old. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you know that that whole profession. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Believe me, I work for a lot of lawyers, and I was just like, but I can speak, like I can articulate myself very well, and um, I've always been able to do that. And I, I, even when I was a child, I was like my stepdad or my mentor. They always say. Um, so you really speak well, like you really know how to carry yourself. But I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I just was talking um so as i grew through the marine corps i got a lot of more chances to actually get in front of people and that helped me build my confidence and there were a lot of people in my life that uh taught me uh, had lawyers that were had majors in english um mm -hmm. philosophy so i got i got all the things that most people get in college in the marine corps right, right? because we do repeated repetitions for uh, if i'm with a lawyer for like three years well i'm going to learn her writer or his or her writing style and that, and I have to repeat that every three years for the last twenty years. You know what I mean? So, the are the worst. <laughs> so you got you know you got your good and your bad, but like there's still you you learn something from them. Uh, the Marine Corps, the, the attorneys again, they talk, you know because they're more. We got officers. You talking about people from the white collar, right? And they're out there um, going to the collegiate, you know, athletes. They're going to like Harvard or, or Penn State or or any other, you know, a and or any different colleges. So they taught me about finance, about um, about, you know, reading, about literacy, about business. Like they they just kept giving me that information over and over again. And I was and I, I wasn't um, 
specifically soaking it up, but my mind, like I have a photographic memory, so I never forget things. And I learned how to utilize things uh, at an early age, uh, but I didn't really know the power of the information that I was receiving. Right. Um, and over time, I had a lot of mentors um, that told me never to take what I do seriously. And in, in a sense, they were like, because so many people engulf themselves in their careers, they lose themselves. And for me, I, I always listened to that and I tried to have fun. And there was a point where I actually did engulf myself in my career and I almost lost my family, my sanity and, and everything else. And uh, and it was kind of like, OK, you ain't listening anymore. You need to like wake up, Morgan. Right. Um, How did you pull yourself out of that? Because I think that's a very common occurrence, not necessarily with career, but with you just lose yourself. I mean, I think it's, yeah. it's almost a badge of adulthood at some point. You either it's, become a parent and lose yourself or you get a job and lose yourself. Well, so I, the short version is I I was lost in the beginning and didn't even know I was lost, mm, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so then I deployed to Afghanistan in 2011 and then, you know, I was already lost, so my the structure, the, not the structure, but the foundation of my morals and values were, you know, shady and rocky anyway. So as I came back, I brought back a lot of baggage, right, that I still carry with me today. I just know how to handle it better. I carry it well now. And I was really numb to the world. And um, I hadn't met my wife yet. And so kind of Right after that, met her then, and then I, the funny part is this is when I got into triathlon uh, around 2012, um, 2011. I was already cycling, and I signed up for a full Ironman. So for your first? I, no, no, no. Okay. No, a, there's no, <laughs> but uh, I did it all in one year. I did a sprint, Olympic, right. half. Uh, Iron Man all in one year. I kind of figured. I didn't think yeah. you waited very long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just kind of sensed that about you, Morgan. I don't know. Then, um, then, so I was coming back from Afghanistan with that baggage. I was newly married. I have this. My that was my second marriage. This is my second marriage, and the other one failed, as I know now, because I, I was immature, and I was still immature when I got married the second time. Right. So these two things happened. Then I moved from one job to the next where we had a caseload that had tr almost triple or quadruple what I'm normally used to. Um, and I'm an office, like I'm the head paralegal where I go. So I, I manage the whole office. So you're talking about dealing with 40 witnesses a month, mm -hmm. uh, you know, three or four contested trials on a, on a weekly basis that it just started to oh really wear on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. Ain't no joke. And it was like everyone uh, knows. Everyone knows the paralegals do all the work. Like <laughs> I, I'm no longer a practicing attorney, so I can mm -hmm. I can spell the secret that the paralegals do all the work. Oh, we work. Carry yeah, on. but the, it it's was true. it was so it was so bad. It was so bad that the attorneys felt this one though, because everybody's <laughs> caseload was tripled almost. But um, so I had that. You know, Afghanistan, my marriage, a new job, uh, Iron Man, all. For these things, right? Oh, geez, I um, too. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, and I and I'm training for my first wow. one, so and I really I had like a kind of a, I had a coach, right? And he was helping me out, um, and that was you know kind of saved my life in Ironman. But like all these things at once were happening to me, and like I I thought I was going crazy, and I wanted to get out of the Marine Corps because I thought the Marine Corps was doing it to me. But what I learned is I was doing it to myself. Mm. That not only 
as I know now, it, it's not that I, I like balance. I like harmony. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, that's a really good statement because I don't, I don't think balance is possible. But harmony, that's a really great word. Yeah, I like harmony, yeah, and yeah. so, um, and I was, but I was. That's the problem is I was trying to balance everything, right? Right. Seeing so yeah. I could give, and I can't, especially. And I, especially being my first Iron Man, and and I just didn't know what that entails and how to like you know it it was almost like I was deployed to another country. Right. <laughs> so, That's so true. Uh, You're like, what is all this stuff? What is this yeah. place of transition you speak of? <laughs> and so we, me and my wife, split up for a while, and I like I kind of like was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get it back in this dating scene, and I'm like, I thought about that, and I was like, That's not what I want. I want to be with my family, right? And so, and, you know, we just broke up. We didn't divorce then. And so I was like, I realized that I was the problem. And uh, I think at that point, everything had just almost, I guess I I kind of hit rock bottom for the second time in my life. And and I realized that it's been me the, the whole time. And I think that's the point where I became who I am today, right? Yeah. That I realized that I had to stop blaming everyone else and structure my life not only with time wise but with the right people the right environment and the right goals and because i had no i had nothing i didn't know where i was going i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know who i wanted to be around i didn't know who i was so i didn't know where i wanted where i wanted to be or where i needed to be and so it, that's when it all started i bounced back from there we got back with my wife finished the iron man she was there uh, was going to counseling like two or three times a week uh, and so all these things, I actually, you know, got promoted again. And so it got, everything started to get a little bit better. And I just started to really get deeper into the Iron Man world then. Like, cause, cause, and I think that's what, what helped me. I think Iron Man literally, not Iron Man, but the people that do these races helped me. The community. Uh, the endurance world. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for, like, my mentor, John DiBernardo and, like Brian Long in Oceanside, California, them people for sure, like showed me like family community. They showed me that, and um, that kind of helped me get through all that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and they taught me a lot of different things. They said, "Stop doing things for yourself. Do it for the people. Have a higher cause, and then you'll never, you'll never be broke. You'll never be alone." Like, and they were so, so right. So I became, you know. It, long, like a short story is like I, I became like um, the volunteer director for some of the um, 70.3s in Ocean, like Oceanside, Super Frog, um, Super Seal, and some other events there. And was around some really good people, uh, Ironman staff uh, that, that, that accepted me and taught me. Uh, Gina Thomas, you know what I mean? Rock uh, and uh, Paul Huddle, you know, uh, Paul Newey Fraser, like all those people, like groomed me to be a good volunteer director and it's just that world and then i started going from there and i was like okay i like this and i get around the people i was like well let's start coaching let's start doing some more races and so you know i started a company that's i i went through that and then um i was in search of something else i did all these ironmans but i'm a person that doesn't like to repeat things (laughs) once you've done it it's like yeah (laughs) i was like i don't want to do it again so i did ironman i was like I had a friend in, uh, named Alan, and he talked me into signing up for Ultraman. Uh-huh. And um, I said, boy, you crazy. And the, one, I ain't never, because it's, it's like a process. It's like well, a, tell I mean, everyone what Ultraman is, who, people that don't know. Oh, okay. Well, it's a, it's an ultra triathlon. Um, 
it's three days long. Uh, this one I did Ultraman Florida, and the first day is a 6.2 mile swim, 90 mile bike ride. Uh, the second day is a 171 mile bike ride, and then the third day is a 52 mile uh, ultra marathon. All have to be done each day within 12 hours. Oh, um, I was thinking, yeah. oh, I, I might could do that. Nope. <laughs> hours, oh, yeah. That's what gets you. Wait, it, it what ain't is the, the distance. the pace on 56 miles in 12 hours? What pace uh, uh, is that? 52. 52. Oh, 52 miles. Uh, I ran it in 10 hours and 11 minutes. Oh, and you're fast. So I'm 10, 10 50. No, I think I did 10. Something like that. I ain't looking at the number. What? Hold on. It's on the, it's on the wall. 10, 54, the wall. 45. There you go. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Yeah, the only harder day, the hardest day was the second day, the 170 mile bike ride. I, I did at 11:32. I had only, you know, I was cut it down to the wire on that day, uh, but it was challenging course, uh, 500, um, 5,000 feet of elevation gain on the second half of the bike ride. So, oh, um, not the first half, but the second half. But yeah, so I got into that, uh, and during that training, right? Because the person that uh, that's speaking now, as I say Morgan, that in this moment was not who I was then. Yeah. And during the training, I read a lot of books, a lot of audio books, because that's some long training. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's some yeah, it is. long training. <laughs> and I run uh, like Scott you know, Jerick, um, yeah. stuff like that. It's just, and just um, Born to Run and just dealing with a lot of things with ultra. They're just, just that ultra level. And it was so mental. Uh, every book I read, everybody had their story, but it was, it was like, it was like ultra is like always being on your path of enlightenment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I read so much and learned so much about myself, what I couldn't do or how I was, um, you know, not managing my time wisely and, and, and not doing things of that nature. You get real efficient at a lot of different things. And it was so good that like, I actually spent more time training for ultra man, spending with my family than I had ever for any other race, even Ironman. And it's a longer race and I was going more often, but I had learned that 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 harmony that we was just just, just speaking about, right? Um, I had stopped trying to balance things. It's like, okay, how can I bring them all together where they can work together? And that means, you know, uh, cutting rides in half and, you know, things like that, having dinner with them, you know, and then get to go and wait until they go to sleep and get back at it again. And just, I did make some sacrifices that were a lot better, a lot right. better. And so I grew and, uh, I've never stopped growing since that point. After that, um, I've really have, I think I've, I've basically, I've ascended to another level. I think my, my, my enlightenment has really, you know, I leveled up a couple and I've been trying to continue that because it, it it's like I always told somebody it's like it's like reading a good book. That's what it's like reading a good book. Every day is a page or a chapter, and you and when it's good, you know how you look forward to turning the page, or you want to read ahead, and you just mm -hmm. you just can't wait to see what's going to going to happen next. And that's how this path of enlightenment has been. That's how my journey has been so far as like every day I want to keep learning. I want to keep reading. I want to keep speaking to like-minded people, like as yourself, like when she had, when she told me about speaking to you, I was like, ah, uh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to you, disappoint you. I'm not no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, it's, it's not about being, it's, but it's not about being exciting. It's about, it's, it's about what drives you to touch so many people. Right. And so many of us have forgotten that, 
we weren't put here alone, but everything we do in society is, is taught. It's almost individualism. Right. right. But but we're not individuals. Right. We are we are a community. We are a family. We say these words, but we actually our actions show something totally different. And the people that truly have really figured it out, the good leaders and the and the people like you and the people like me. Right. Mm-hmm. Are, are the ones out there that understand that we can do so much more together if we it's not about. Okay, let me give you some money so you can be better. It's about let me give you some skills or some some knowledge so that it can keep blossoming every day. Because money, you give it to them, they're going to spend it, it's going to be gone. But when you give them knowledge, when you give them hope, when you give them that selfless service that you give every day, it changes lives for, for millennia. You know and what I mean? That, you know, <clears throat> the fact that you're sharing, right? That people, mm-hmm. the, the story you share, like this is my rock bottom. This is where I came from. This is what I've struggled with. Um, the more that we talk about everything we're struggling with and we're open about it and then we're like, you know, this is where I've come. But I mean, we all have dark days and but my dark now is not nearly what it was 10 years ago. And and that's what I try and convey is that there's always opportunity for hope, even when you're at the bottom. Like I always say, you're going to see the bluest sky from rock bottom if you just look up, (laughs) get your head out of the sand, you know, Um but if you can look up, you can get up. That's what yes. that's what Les Brown always say. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what do you do? I mean, every day, you know, every day is a good book, right? We're turning the page. But some days the book kind of gets a little stale. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do on those days? Because I think motivation is garbage. <clears throat> There's no such thing as motivation. It's about... I mean, motivation may exist, but it's not something you're it does or exist. lacking or... I so this this no no, no no so I, let me explain let me explain okay I'll hear your Motiv- argument no counselor. argument I totally agree <laughs> I totally agree with you okay but I think motivation exists as a spark right yes yes it's exactly. a it's a spark it's, it's yeah. only in the moment I know uh even David Goggins talked about it and said it, it you you need to be dedicated to something you need to be obsessed with it yeah. right and the motivation just gets you like okay you need to get started. And that's mm-hmm. the problem with people all the, most of the time is people get motivated, but motivated is temporary. So it doesn't last. And then you lose the motivation and you go back to doing what you were doing. Right. Um, but like for us, like, like you said, is <clears throat> we do these things, you know, and we have good days, good days, good days. But like even today, like I'm, I'm not having a great day today. You know, me and my wife, we're not communicating on the same page right now. And it's kind of bothering the hell out of me because I'm a communicator. So I want to fix it. <laughs> so Talk to but, me. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm like, what do you do? And I always, this is what I always tell my, I told my Marines all the time. He said, the hardest thing to do is the right thing to do most of the time. Right. And the right thing to do is like, what I don't want to do. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go say, you know what? I was wrong. And I need to really evaluate how I was looking at your opinion. And just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean it's not the right way. That's the right thing to do. But you know how hard that is for a man to walk downstairs and, and go tell my wife. <laughs> you better go do it. We're going to you know what's good for you. <laughs> I am. Because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's that right moment thing. that you that you realize, like, yeah. that that aha moment, like, man, I got to do this. Like, yeah. I can't be, for, for, for us, like, we can't be speaking it and not living it like I'm a total live by example you know live and lead by example type person and that's what keeps me moving like that's what keeps me going and like it's hard to be who we are yeah you know what I mean because I don't get a break 
Like I, my life is nonstop now because I put myself in front of people, but I'm okay with that. Right. And I have to realize that and understand that type of power in which I'm coming to learn the type of power I have over people. Uh, excuse me. And so I struggle well, it is, with it. It, yeah. is, it is hard. I mean, but I, I'm, I'm grateful for that pressure that I've somehow put on myself <laughs> over yeah. the last 10 years because it does hold me accountable. I mean, I, I'm a sober person, so I'm coming up on four years and congratulations. Thank congratulations. You, thank you. And I run a sobriety community and every, like, I know I can't ever drink again. I know that from a very personal place, but I also know that people look to me as an example, you know, and I just, mm -hmm. you have to honor that. If you're, if you put yourself or you've, ended up in a place where people are, are looking to you for cues about how to get out of their rock bottom. You gotta, you gotta walk the walk and, and that's a lot of pressure, but I'm grateful for it. It keeps me straight. <laughs> yeah. We did that, but we need that. Like I need, like, that's why I have a coach. I have people. Yeah. I tell people when I sign up for a race, I go tell hundred people that I've signed up for because I need that right. accountability because, uh, some, it's something about that. It's just, it's in our makeup. Right. Yeah. And when we keep um, that's why in, in, that's in a positive sense, like we, we tell somebody that we want we have to do it. We have to follow through. But on a negative side is when we hold those those things in, we hold the negative in. And then basically we where there's no no there's no drive to do anything with it at all. Right. So you hold on to this um, this uh, this bad emotion, this bad feeling, this and you don't let it go because you don't want to let it out. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the key is if you don't let that out, you can't let the good in. Like it, it takes up too much room. Um, and for me to almost like, it's almost like a sci-fi. Like I don't want, if, if, if half my heart was light and half of it was dark, well, I want to try to do everything to keep the darkness out. I want to fill it with so much hope, so much, selflessness so much inspiration so much dedication that there's the darkness when it gets in it's like all right this i ain't supposed to be here right right so yeah like that. yeah yeah so what do you tell people when they come to you or you you're having a conversation and they say well i can't do that or this is impossible or i'm just too far gone what is your advice for people that are in that state Stop lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't say you can't or it's too hard. Just say you won't. Oh, <laughs> and you're scared. Yeah. Say you won't and you're scared. Like, that's what people are not. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, even when I talk to athletes, they were like, oh, I can't do that. I can't. No, it's not. That has nothing to do with the reason why you can't accomplish what you want to accomplish. It's fear. You've chosen not to do something. It's not that you can't do it. You have you you, you don't even have the will to try. Right. right. So you have to first, just like me in my journey, you have to figure out who you are. And that means being OK with who you're not. And we're usually not who we think we are. Oh, wow. Right? And yeah. like, we're not who we think we are. We think we lived this life. I thought I was this, this, this great guy, but I was arrogant and I was self-centered and I thought I was helping people, but I was really helping myself. And I had to realize, like, no, like the purpose of everything that I was doing was not it was, the intent was wrong. So you have to change your intent for yourself, for your life and realize that, hey, you are the problem. Right. right? And it's not that it's a it's a bad thing. So I don't want to confront it. Well, how can you say you want to 
work through depression, but you never want to talk about the stuff you're depressed about. You can't do it. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Like I, 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 I fight anxiety, depression, all that stuff from deployment, and I didn't want to talk about it, so I, I didn't get better, right. and, I, it, and it ate away at me. But then, like one day, I went to therapy, and I just broke down and started crying. I literally cried for like the whole session, and I was like, I told the lady, I said, I'm sorry, I, I will cover her to talk. He said, Nope. It said, she said she told me it was just it was just time for you to let go. Yeah. And from that moment. Ain't nothing I won't share. I'll tell anybody my story. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I knew like, I liked you. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell anybody my story. Uh, I'll cry now. Like I didn't, okay. but like because I was in a world as a Marine. You like you're in a world where we're not taught. We we say compassion. We say these these other words, love and things like that. But that in that alpha world, you're really not that. You can't really show that. That's like, almost right. as a weakness. But what I've learned is. I am happier when I show those things because that's who I am, right? And when you fight who you are, who you meant to be, you're in constant battle with your life and it's just chaos. You know what I mean? And so you have to organize your soul. You have to organize your thoughts and your emotions that work for with who you are, not who you want to be, but who you are. And then that will help you become who you want to be. Right. Because you've realized your faults, you've realized what you're good at, you've realized your gifts and your purpose, your true purpose on this earth. And if until you realize that, then you're constantly going through this life existing, merely existing. You're not living. And living is not going on yachts and spending a lot of money. Living is knowing your purpose of why you're here on this earth and how you can affect others. Not just going out there and volunteering, but with your actions by influence i think once you once if you look at anybody gandhi you know you me um martin luther king uh you know any of these people that are out there in the world they had to realize who they were first yeah and the the only way to realize it is to get into a, a part of your life that is uncomfortable you have to be uncomfortable to actually figure out who you are that's you have to build resilience to be able to be resilient. Right. You know what I mean? And so we fight all these things and then we wonder like, okay, why is my life so chaotic? Because you're scared of who you are. And if you just accept that, you can be so much more. You know? That's so good, Morgan. That's so true. So true. We spend all this energy and time fighting it. We just let it go. Be who mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. Because society has told us that some of it's like... That's what it is. Just who we are as people has dictated how we think about ourselves. Right. Which if, if which if in turn we we knew who we are, we'd be a better society, though. But yeah. we don't look at it like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Oh, my gosh. So, Morgan, this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours. And I know you would you would buy this, that we all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do. Yeah. Oh, I hear that all the time as a coach. Hours. Yes, yes. So it's what we choose to do in those hours that creates our greatest health, happiness, and success. So I like to ask my guest, what is something that you do on a daily basis that you think contributes to your your best life in those same 24 hours that we all have? Although sometimes they feel so short. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because it's 8.30 already, and I'm like, I got to do so much. You got hurricane prep, and that's why I'm trying to let you But uh, (laughs) I do two things. Um, One thing is actually 
um, I guess both could be uh, actual action. But the one action I do every morning, I get in my car and I listen to um, YouTube motivational speeches mm-hmm. every day. And, and no matter who it is, it can be a Christian leader. It can be Muslim, it don't matter what it is, because once you learn how to cipher through all that the bureaucracy, everybody has the same message. They just they they're just sharing different points of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I listen to that every day. I let that start my day. And that gives me the ideas that I have when I do my like my morning. I do like a 60 second or, you know, 120 seconds of uh, video time on Facebook during the week. And I just give a message. You know, I give a message to something that I'm going through in my life. And that's that helps me not only kind of purge what's going on, but it actually helps me start my day on a positive note. Like sometimes we get up and most people get up, oh, I'm going to read the paper and watch the news. But usually you've, you're being fed some something negative. Right. And so if you put dirty water in, in clean water, it's, no matter how clean the water is, how much clean water is there, it's still going to be filth. Right. So but what the key is, if we if we remove the possibility of the dirty water, then there's nothing but purity. Right. And then you can see things and you can think clear and your day can be full of joy and not hate. Right. Full of life and not death. Um, And these are things that are very important. And um, then and you said the 24 hours. One thing that people like I would say, like my athletes are like, how do you get it all done? Which like I ain't done that in maybe two days. And people think (laughs) I've done so much. Right. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's that. When 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 I'm when I am presented with something, I don't say I can't. I'll say I'll find a way. Yes. Right? Not I'll try. Yeah. No. Yeah. I no. Try. Me, you try. You might just say no. I'm not doing. It. I know. I hate the word. <laughs> I tell all my clients and athletes when they're like, "Well, I'm going to try." I'm like, "Yeah, that's not going to cut it. You got to give me no. another sentence." <laughs> no, because you ain't going to try. Like, because that just it's so passive. Like trying is like the word itself is just I'll try. It's, no. a, it's even a crappy word. Yeah. <laughs> and so, no, it's like, I'll find a way. Like, right. the, we have 24 hours in a day. And if you structure it well, and if you put some clarity in your life, and I was just reading this book called Essentialism. Um, and you just need to get rid of the noise. Get rid of the things you don't need, and you'll actually enjoy the things that you have so much more. And you'll be able to see the things that you need in your life. Right. And and sometimes we just have a lot of white noise in our lives and we think we're busy, but you ain't busy. Right. You can eliminate probably 50 percent of that junk and actually nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> eliminate 50 percent of it. And then the things that you do do during that time will not only be more enjoyable, they probably will. You probably will produce a better product as well, no matter what it is. Even if it's a relationship, if it's at home, if it's in your career, if you get rid of all the nonsense and focus on what really matters, you will change your life immediately. 